Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, what's up? I'm Jahi Winston, and if you love raw conversations about film, television, subscribe to the Watch Less podcast, and make sure you check out Charm City Kings on HBO Max coming October 8th. Watchless is back for a very special edition of the podcast with a very, very special guest. And honestly, I can't front. I've been excited to talk to this guy for a while. Um, I remember when the Charm City Kings trailer hit Twitter, specifically Twitter. It felt like it erupted. You know, I'm seeing this man's riding dirt bikes. You know, he's going across these dirt roads. There's like, you know, you're really getting to see the feel for Baltimore, but you're also getting to see. Meek Mill, and I think that's why a lot of people were hyped. But I remember Jahi. At Jah, this was the little kid that got active in Queen and Slim. I, 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 I don't forget about that, my brother. But also, cause, cause I'm like, damn, where have I seen this man's face before? And I forgot he's the one that got active in Proud Mary. It's, it's, it's crazy to think that, uh, you know, that this young man's been doing a lot of this. And what you're, you're turning 17 in November. December, okay, because we got to fix that because the internet it, it's 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 hard finding the correct information. So I'm glad we got you here. Right, right. It's it's one of I well, well after this interview we're gonna have to sit and figure out how to get your bio sorted out. But I'm glad we got you here so we can sort it out today. Uh, Jahi Diallo Winston puts Charm City Kings. In my opinion, he puts the film on his back. He embodies the role of Mouse, who's a, a it's a young kid who he really wants to get into a lifestyle that is probably a little too dangerous for him. Jahi Diallo Winston, welcome to the Watch List Podcast. <laughs> How you doing, man? How Thank you, doing? you so much. I'm doing amazing. How are you? I'm look, look. It's uh, it's it's been an honor and a pleasure to uh, be able to talk to you because again, it, this is a film that on this podcast we got this. It feels like I've been talking about this film since the beginning of the year. You know, it was set to come out a while ago. I know there were there were plans for you know interviews that people wanted to do, and and then the world went and it totally changed. So yeah. uh, it's been, it feels like it's been a long time coming. So how are you, how are you doing now that we're in this time where we're not that far from the, the film hitting HBO max for, and let everybody be able to see it. I'm just relieved. Like, I'm so glad that it's finally going to be out and people are going to get to see it. That was one of my biggest fears when the pandemic hit and everything was sort of shifting right before our eyes. I was just really hoping that it wouldn't get shelved and that people wouldn't right. be able to see it, and then it would just get released on like some like back alley like streaming service that right, no one right. really cares about. But the fact that it's gonna be on HBO Max, and the fact that it's gonna be on a platform like um, uh, and and being such a great company with a lot of other um black films and black um projects is really cool too. So right. Right. It's 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 one thing to come out on a on a streaming service. It's another thing to come out on a streaming service that you can not only watch all of the episodes of Fresh Prince of Bel Air on, yes. but also catch stuff like the Boondocks. Like at the, it feels like it's a very good fit for uh what HBO's been doing. Mm-hmm. Um have you, but I do wonder, you know, you've you've been able to actually see the film in theaters? Yes, I have. Okay. I saw okay. it in I saw it in theaters at Sundance and that was that was a good experience. What was that your first trip to Sundance? That was my first time going to Sundance. And you know what? The thing about Sundance is, one, it's, it's very cold. Like, it's, it's super cold. Mm-hmm. But also, um, you don't really get to do anything but, like, court and promote your movie. Right. So I didn't get to see any other films. I didn't get to see... I didn't get to see Minari, which is, like, the um, Korean um, family drama. Okay. Uh, I didn't get to see um, Nine Days with mm. Winston Duke. I didn't get to see anything but Charm City Kings. That's all... I saw our film twice at Sundance. So, okay, yeah, sure. that, yeah. yeah I mean, you you could see worse films twice. At, at, at yeah, for sure. Though, yeah, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait, yeah. wait. So, I mean, the, the way you're talking, I, w- I was going to ask later, but I, 
You a film guy? Like, what? What's your film? Are you sitting at like your quarantine's just been watching films? For the most part, I mean, now I don't have time because you know school started. Like, I'm. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I am a film guy. Absolutely, I watched um, Mystic River for the first time in okay. quarantine, mm-hmm. and that was incredible. That was yeah. really incredible. Uh, so yeah, absolutely, I'm a film buff. I always say it's like if you're an actor and you don't regularly watch films, it's like. Being a football player and you don't watch highlights in great games, it's like you gotta be fully immersed into the culture for sure. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. What What are some of your favorite films? Oh, man, you know, Mystic River became one after I watched that. That was incredible. That was beautifully uh, structured and uh, in every way, shape, or form. I, you know, what growing up though, I used to really love movie musicals. I used okay. to because I was really obsessed with like The Wiz and. All of those things and stuff like that, like the fantasy adventure kind of thing. Mm. Uh, and also like black movie musicals. I was thinking the other day, like we don't have enough of like really black movie musicals. It's more so, you know, adaptations of other stuff. So we got to get on that, man. We got to get some more yeah. singing up in here. Yeah, for we, sure. we, we, we need the the black Mamma Mia or something yes. like that to hit theaters. Yeah, yes. yeah for real. For it, sure. you, would, you would think actually, I mean, with, with the way people love stuff like... Uh, like just a lot of the, the the you you got served and a lot of the dance right. films that we could incorporate some some more uh, black tales in that thing. In the, hey, I know you you have that background as well though, right? I mean, I'm yeah. talking to a young Simba online <laughs> right now, right? So you know, yeah. do you ever think about stuff like that? Do you compose songs? I know you sing, but do you write music at all? I do, I do write music. I make beats. I'm not good at making beats though. I'm actually okay. really bad, but I do like to try and I like to just sort of come up with stuff and try to figure out how to stack vocals and all those things but yeah i do i write i write, I write music but uh i'm not composing anything right now but i gotta get on that man we gotta right, get this right. cracking we gotta pitch this <laughs> once you figure out this uh, remote learning situation with school maybe you can start yes. sliding some uh, beat sessions in there right no for sure absolutely before i'm because i, I want to get to the movie but i mean like I, I love learning that you know these fascinating things about you who are some of your musical inspirations if you don't mind me asking uh gambino for sure is okay my guy. that makes sense i have like four it's really gambino frank kenny and beyonce those are my four okay. i um i grew up like really musically like idolizing those four people and more so their artistry because um i was saying the other night like because i know loop uve was on twitter talking about better lyricists and i was like come on man like we're not about to do this <laughs> we are not about to do this i have this debate i don't even have this debate like i feel like everyone in my inner circle knows like their place like kenny is the goat i go to war about that for anybody like uh i think actually people i get flack from this from a lot of like hip-hop heads but i think kenny is definitely amongst the, the goats i think as far as delivery and tonally and lyricist i think he is a better lyricist than right tupac I, actually i do i, I hey, think say that shit say it. absolutely i do unabashedly what up what <laughs> talk up? that talk it man what up yeah for sure i remember having a conversation about that at work because the, the conversation is number one is it kenny or is it drake and i mean it's 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 crazy because at a certain point it's just like well drake has a through Z, all of the accolades. So at some point it's for like, sure. all right, that's, but for me and what I, what I'm listening to music for and what I want to get out of certain things from artists, I think Drake's not doing what that man's doing. I mean, no. he's got a whole, whole yeah. different way about it. And I guess you can say Drake is more versatile. Drake has allowed himself to be more versatile, right. but I feel like the space that Kenny has always existed in has come from a place of such honesty. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can't negate that. Like 100%. his lyricism, his pure skill, I just mm-hmm. like rapping. And I, and I defend Drake too sometimes. Cause sometimes <laughs> people be trying to play my voice. Like, okay, uh-huh. give Drake, give Drake his stuff, man. Give him, give him his things. Well, I guess, I mean, let's segue. I mean, before getting into Charm City Kings, were you a fan of Meek Mill? Yeah, well, sort of, kind, sort of, kind of. I didn't, I was sort of a fan. I mean, who Dreams and Nightmares is a classic. I really got really into Meek, like, full steam ahead when Championships came out. Gotcha. And actually, he was working on Championships while he was doing Charm City Kings. Oh, where? Uh, yeah, and that's just, I guess, a testament to his work ethic, because he was doing Championships, Charm City Kings, and he was sort of on tour, like, he was doing shows and back-to-back. Right. And so he would, like, cycle through those things. And so, um... 
Yeah, championships is sort of like the thing. It's like okay, like that was a really great album. I think that's definitely one of the the greater R and I'm not R&B, but hip hop albums of like the last five years for sure. Word, yeah. I mean, I think it surprised a lot of people that he could come yeah. back that strong. Um, yeah. and I mean, and 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 still stay, you know, relevant. It's it, it's 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 hard for a lot of people to be through those situations and be able to bounce back and then bounce back with something that is actually, you know, moving, you know, moving the culture, at least moving people to, you know, listen more. So props to him for that. Working on the album during the film though. I mean, you know, it, as someone who, you know, me, we, we've not seen Meek do a lot of acting at all. Uh, what was would you say that it was like would that add to the challenge of him trying to make sure he gets the right the, the role right for the film? Maybe um, I don't. I think w- w- as far as I'm concerned, just when in working with him, I think we helped each other really. Okay. Um, I think sure I was uh, more a little bit more experienced when it came to being on set doing a film uh well not really actually no because i had never done a film this high maintenance before like right we, we right. were in such a demanding environment uh and a lot of our scenes were really emotional mm-hmm. so i think uh it, it took uh it took some time to get comfortable and the beautiful thing about it was it was really great to see um from the beginning of when we came to us because mm-hmm. um, he came to us like maybe a month or so after we had started. Gotcha. Um, and when he when he first got there, he was he sort of had his guard up. You know, he didn't really know anybody. A mm-hmm. lot of the crew members sort of had preconceived notions about him. You know, saying being he was a rapper and right. all the things that he's gone through. But it was great, to, and I think he sort of felt that energy. But it was great to see as the process went on, he got more and more comfortable and he started to let his guard down. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We were in those emotional scenes. He started to be less um, afraid to really show um, his true essence and to be fully immersed into that character. And he does Mm -hmm. such an incredible job in this film. I'm so excited for people to see him. I think he's going to really, really impress people and really blow people away with this for sure. I think that was my thing. It was like in, in the beginning, I mean, even when, when Meek, you can't, it's not like he's transforming. He doesn't look like Meek when he gets right. on camera. It's Meek, right. It's definitely you, still you, so, so you're looking like, okay, how, like how close or far away from, you know, who we know this man as is he? And I think, you know, within minutes, you're like, okay, this is not, the, he's not about to start, you know, picking up a mic and start rapping right. like he. And you could tell. And I think, I, I guess, you know, to 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 your credit of a uh, the the bond that you guys created, you I think that comes across in those, especially the scenes where it's you and him, and you're really getting deep with the conversation. You can feel that from him yeah. um, in a way that you might not expect from someone who's not as seasoned as a, as an actor. Mm, for it's sure. almost like the, that's ingrained in him. Um, Take us back, though. I mean, how did you first hear about the role of Mouse? And what was it about the role that intrigued you? Uh, Well, I I first heard about the role of Mouse. I I guess just how you hear of any other role. Um, When you're in the industry, my agent sent me the breakdown for it, which is basically like the script and the the character description and all those things. And so um, I put off reading the script for a while. I just wasn't sure if I wanted to go full steam ahead into this and this was the right next step for me. Okay. Um, and, uh, but I, um, nevertheless, I auditioned for it and I, um, I saw Barry Jenkins name and I was like, okay, this is something, this is something different. Right. Um, and so I started to, I auditioned for it and I got a call back and then I Skyped with Angel, our director, mm-hmm. uh, Caleb Pinkett, our producer, and Clarence Hammond, our other producer. And, um, after that, uh, Skype audition, I went to LA for the screen test and that's where I met Kazai and Danielle Didi, mm-hmm. who play Lamont and swear to God in the film, who do an incredible job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in the room was really when it changed for me. It's really when it sparked something for me because the, our chemistry together was so natural and we didn't know each other at all. And it was funny because I walked into the room like 20 minutes earlier and I guess everyone was sort of, everyone in that room, except for me, because I don't really do that. Like I just say to myself, but I think everyone was sort of like looking at, this, like sort of trying to analyze the competition. And so it just, we just sort of went from that to like being so, from being friend to being mm-hmm. friends, like mm-hmm. for for the majority of our lives. So I think that was definitely a shift for me um, and like, okay, this, this could be something different. And so I, I, um, I did that. I read the script. I, I love the simplicity of the story. I love right. that at its core, it's just about a boy who wants a bike and wants validation from his friends and validation from his mentors. 
um, mentor really one mentor, one of his mentors. He really wants validation from, and so um, I knew that similar to reading the script for Queen and Slim that. If it feels like I sat down in a theater and watched a movie for an hour and a half, then it's mostly a sign that I, it's definitely a sign that I have, this is something that I have to do. Right. So, um, yeah, for sure. How about, I mean, because w- without going too deep into the story, I mean, there are some moments and elements in the film that feel like they're plucked right from the headlines, you know, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the, the police and, and young black men. Um with, with the way things are going on in the world right now, at that time, were you thinking about, you know, the, the importance and the impact that this story could have for other young men like yourself? I, I don't think we were. I don't think that, um, I, I don't think I was. I think I can sort of get in my own way when I get into that space of right. what it's going to do next. I think Ryan Coogler gave an incredible analogy when he would talk about how he would do certain routes in football. Mm-hmm. And it was a certain route that he had to do where he would catch the ball. And then after catching the ball, you would immediately have to to go for the for the end zone, to go mm-hmm. for the touchdown. But he said every time he thought about what he had to do next, he would always drop the ball. And so I, I thought that was a brilliant analogy because it's so true. Like anytime I get into a space where I am supposed to be creative, but I'm sort of thinking about what, what is this going to do? Who, who's mm-hmm. going to see this? Are people going to see this? Are people going to like this? I sort of get in my own way and I sort of start to make decisions that come from a place of um, a need for monetary validation. Gotcha. Um as opposed to just doing it because I love the role and I love the character and I'm fully immersed into the story that we're telling. Right. Um, and so... Uh, I, I didn't think about it as much um, on set, but I think now that with it supposed to, with it originally being scheduled to release earlier in the year mm-hmm. and the fact that it's coming out now in this moment in the culture, I think really speaks to divine timing, to the divine timing of it all. Because I mean, um, it was not supposed to come out this late, but right. I think the, I think God knew and God controlled the universe and he just knew like this is, this is the time for it. So right. uh, I don't think that it would come out now in this moment um, by just happenstance. I think it's I think it's going to do something for the culture. I do. Definitely. I mean, it's 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 great because and I think it's more important. I was having a conversation with uh, Lamorne Morris, who uh, is the star of Hulu's Woke. And mm. uh, we and I we we had a similar conversation in regards to because uh, he said after doing the show, his thought is now I is very similar to his character where he's being more conscious about the roles that he's choosing. But instead of saying, okay, I'm choosing this role because it feels X, Y, Z in terms of being socially aware, he wants to make sure that he can still balance that line, have the fun, bring the art, but also bring, you know, the message. And again, I think charm city Kings does a, does a great, uh, it, it, it does a great service to both of those things. You know what I mean? Um, I also wanted to get into, the idea because you were talking about you know a boy and his bike you know were you familiar with baltimore's bike culture before getting into this i was not i I wasn't i um i watched the documentary that the film is inspired by Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um which is 12 o'clock boys and i um that was the first time that i had known about this culture i thought the bike culture was something that they had sort of contrived for the film um but it, it made it even more exciting and even more exhilarating when I found out that this is something that actually occurs in the city and this this isn't just like oh what's a story of a marginalized community that that hasn't been told before I know bikes like (laughs) it's like though this is a this is a real this is a real thing and I knew from the I knew that if this film was inspired by 12 o'clock boys although it's we wanted to do our own thing and we wanted to um sort of contrive our own narrative because the 12 o'clock boys film it doesn't really have a narrative it's just a world very brilliant um step into this world but there's no narrative or a story and so we sort of have to create that ourselves but i knew from the first frame with 12 o'clock boys it's like okay if this is our source material in a way if this is our reference material rather then this could be something really interesting. Um, And that was a learning about the culture and learning that it was actually something very prevalent in Baltimore was all the more reason that I had to do it. 
Right. Well, I mean, I guess talk about that too. So you, you, you watch the documentary, but I mean, you, uh, you have to ride. So what was your situation uh, in terms of training? Um, can you talk about how maybe like your, your, your stunt coordinators made you get, get better acquainted and feel more comfortable on the bikes? You know, did, were you doing any more research in regards to uh, Baltimore legends in the di- dirt bike game? You know what, bro? I hate to ruin the, the magic of cinema, but I did not ride at all. Um, what? No, I know. Wow. I know. Wow. But you know what? It was like a like a labor law thing, like child gotcha. labor laws. I couldn't ride. None of us rode. None. Because mm. I, Didi, uh, none of us, we rode. We, we, did, we never rode our bikes. Um, but I think just being in, in that environment, though, because they were actually, it was hard to tell which which riders were like a part of Charm City Kings when we were filming and which riders were just like, oh, we're in Baltimore. Like they're just riding their bike down the street. Like right. it was hard to tell. And that was, I loved that aspect of it because it's like, we're really in the trenches, which is what they called the neighborhood that we were filming in. Right. Um, right. And so it's like, oh, okay. So I am, I feel like I had just been transported into the world of the documentary. Um, and so that made it, I mean, this was the best source reference material. The best reference material, um, even more powerful than the script, was being in the environment. Because 100% of the film was shot in West Baltimore. It was not shot on a soundstage in L.A. Mm -hmm. Where 100% of the film, even reshoots, we didn't film it in West Baltimore and then go to L.A. to do reshoots. No, all of the film, everything that you see was 100% shot in West Baltimore. That's amazing. What was what was the reception from the 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 the, the Baltimore city? You know, the, the people in the city when they saw you guys coming through was it a lot of love. I think for the most part it was love. Um, I think for the most part it was like you know the the inquisitiveness, the curiosity of wanting to know you know what are these cameras and who are these white people in the because you know, the crew was predominantly white, so they were like, who are these people in in our neighborhood? But Baltimoreans, they're so like. I'm on my way to work, man. I'm trying to get to... They don't care. Really. Right. It's like, right. oh, they're shooting a movie. Okay, mm-hmm. I get out of my way. I got to get somewhere. I'm trying to get to my girl's house. I'm trying to, you know... Uh, and so that's that's what I love. You know, there will mm-hmm. be times when we will be filming and a big siren just <laughs> sort of <laughs> eclipsed and upstaged us during the film, uh, right. during the scene. And, you know, Caleb, our producer, was like, let it play. That's Baltimore. Like, right. this, is where, this is where we are. Um, and there are definitely some Baltimore stories that we have of shooting and in the midst of shooting a big scene and a dog fight breaks out across the street. It's yeah, it was a lot of every day. Something happened. <laughs> it was right, yeah, like yeah. Baltimore constantly said, all right, Baltimore was a character in the film. So I was, I, I, I wanted to talk about that. I mean, you know, r- realizing that everything was shot in West Baltimore. And I mean, it, I mean, I don't want to say, oh, I learned about Baltimore from the wire. I've got a couple of homies that uh, um, are from, from Baltimore that, you know, I've gotten real fly with over the last couple of years. Shouts out to Matthew fan. But they're, they're the ones that told me about, you know, the trenches and things like that. So when you mentioned that, I, you know, that you was, you was really, really out there. Yeah. Um, but I'm, like that accent, is not an easy one to carry. And I know, because I know when people look, especially people from Baltimore, when they look at stuff that's set in the city, the, the question is, all right, did they get this word right? You know, mm-hmm. we don't say it like that. Like, Can you talk about that process of ad- adopting that, that accent and any difficulties you may have had holding on to that? Yeah, that was really important to me from jump. Just like, I, this is when people, I, at least in my setting, in my environment, in my meet, cir- immediate circle, I um that's the one of the main things that I knew from Baltimore is like the do to blue all of those things and so all of those eccentricities of how they speak and so that was really important to me it's like how do I get the audience to look at this and be able to distinctively know this is a kid from Baltimore I was doing a panel with who had a white moderator uh last night he was like I'm just fascinated by these accents and it's mm-hmm. like that's what I wanted you to feel like I wanted you to feel like you knew this kid, but he's in an environment and in a setting that you had never really seen and experienced before. You know, like um, there's still an element of mystery about where he's from. And, you know, it's definitely better to have as a storyteller, it's definitely better to have the audience behind you than in front of you. Um, if they know the environment, if they know the setting, if they know the formulaic tropes mm-hmm. of the story that you're telling, um, you lose them 
uh, immediately. And so it's always better to have them trying to figure you out and not being able to than immediately being able to capture the entire, um, the fullness of the story from Jump. And so I'm glad that people still, even after the, they've seen the film, people are still having questions about, is this a real, is this a real group in Baltimore? Is, mm-hmm. is that how they really talk? Is that how they, and the answer is yes. Uh, we didn't make anything up for the sake of Hollywood, um, Hollywood effect or, you know, right. cinema. Yeah, no. Have you been able to hear word from Baltimore residents who may have seen the film and, and, and have they any acclaim or any words that they've said about, you know, the depiction of the city or your depiction of a kid in that city? I mean, all I know is Chino, Chino Braxton, the GOAT, um, right. who, who, who's in our film, he plays Jamal, and he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, he was like, yeah, he killed it. Like, <laughs> okay. yeah, so that's all the validation that's I need. need. Like, Chino is, yeah, he's like the Jordan of Baltimore. Like, he, Michael Jordan of Baltimore, like, he, he's the Jordan of bike culture. He's widely regarded as, like, the best to ever get on a bike. So Word. him and Willie Wayne, Willie <laughs> Wayne, who was also in our film, um, and a lot of people um, have been, I guess that's been the biggest critique so far that, that we didn't have Baltimore people in it. But Queen, Jamal, and Wheelie Wayne, and every writer that you see is from Baltimore. It's from um, Baltimore. Yeah. So uh, we're, Baltimore culture is all throughout this film. Right. Sure. D- definitely represented. Um, I think, and I, and I will say too, you know, similar to Meek, I think. Uh, Early on, Chino, when Chino's presence is on the film, you definitely feel that. I had no idea who he was. I, I, it wasn't until, you know, my homie Frazier mentioned Chino. I'm like, oh, so that this he doesn't do this on, like, he's not an actor. On a, because, uh, he he was the coldest person I'd ever seen in, in, in yes. a film when he walked into that, on that set, it looked like. Yeah, he, Chino, he has a, he has like an infectious energy. And it's like the first time that you see him, I love that chase scene in, mm-hmm. at the very beginning of the movie. Um, at the ride is is one of my favorite parts uh, of the of the film because I think Chino carries that like no other man like right. and I love it like now like that just that image of him picking up that brick and like throwing it it's like yes yeah well like you, yes <laughs> <laughs> you feel especially yes. again with with the time of the film coming out you it, it 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 hits different it hits way different right now for sure I'm like yes I'm glad they didn't take that out because I've been telling people it's like we don't demonize police we don't need to demonize police they do it for themselves but we don't demonize police um but we also don't glorify them either mm-hmm. like we're not this is not a hey leave police alone movie like. This is uh this is the truth, you know what I'm saying? My job as an actor is not to look for the facts in the situation, it's to tell the truth. And I think a lot of people get facts and truthfulness and honesty confused. They're like, okay, but truth and facts are two completely different things. You can make lies out of facts. Word. Truthfulness is always gonna be truthful, you know? Um, it's always gonna be that way. So, um, yeah, so that's always been my job as a storyteller, and that was just our our overall objective as storytellers and filmmakers just to tell the truth. What is the real environment and what's the real essence of this environment? And I think you captured it beautifully. Man, I, I, I want to say it's, it's be- I feel better for the, uh, your generation and the generation coming up, especially as filmmakers and creatives hearing you say things like that. Cause uh, you know, I think people need to remember that, that uh, you know, truth and facts or not is it you can't vote yet but i think you you know it's an election year and there's definitely a difference between the truth and facts and that some people can't see it that's a different podcast for a different day Um, i wanted to the character of mouse i i i think when i first saw the trailer and i see him breaking down the world and like just the passion and and you know just just the love he has for that culture really spoke out to me and i'm wondering um, it's it's sad because that's what ultimately gets him in trouble. But like for some, when you're reading that, did you connect with Mouse at all? Were there certain points where you know you might say that I that you you're very similar to him, and I I, I would hope there's some ways that you were definitely different than him as well. Yeah, um, I think at his core, I am. We do have a lot of similarities because that's a question someone else asked me. They said, you know, you're so different from him, and so how did you go about? Um, trying to to portray him. And I said, it's because really at his core, Mouse is all of us. 
he is all of us. We've all been in a situation, I think, for the most part, where we have wanted validation from an existential or external force um, mm-hmm. or external presence other than ourselves and other than people who really matter to us. We sort of get caught up in the hype of, you know, trying to be this thing for this person and trying to look a certain way and going and about something with the with something to prove. And uh, I think it's easy for us to get caught up in that space, especially in the culture that we, we're, our, we're in now with social media culture and all of those things is trying to prove something to someone else. Um, but, and I think I had to tap in from that space rather than, well, I, I don't live in the hood. I, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I don't have a, a hyper obsession with uh, dirt bikes and being a part of this gang of, I don't really like calling it a gang, this group mm-hmm. of bike riders, but um, I do know what it's like to um, want uh, validation and to seek validation from other people and to be a part of something and to want my friends to think I'm cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think we've all been there in our, Mm -hmm. in some point in our stage of adolescence or even now. So when you're grown up or whatever, I'm still there. So tell me how it is. You know what I'm saying? You know, (laughs) in the future. (laughs) Hey, look, it, 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 Keep the values you've got now. I think as long mm-hmm. as you stay, stay with your core, stay with that core set of values, and and know because again, you're a person that you're on that track. You feel me? I mean, we'll talk a little. I know you've got. There's at least one project that is announced that you were in, so we'll get into that later. But uh, as you're going up on that track, you have to keep. You know that it's it's always just stay keeping that focus. You know, mm-hmm. staying the course mm-hmm. for for what you believe in because there's going to be so much coming in. But as long as you have, and I'm hey, shouts out to your mom. It sounds like you've got a a very stable base. Keep that close, and you'll and you'll be fine. You'll be fine for the future. That's a little word of advice that uh you know wasn't necessary, but I felt I needed to impart. Um, uh, before we get out of the field, Charm City Kings. Like, what were some of you, you mentioned dog fights and some of the other fun you had on set, but were, like, what were some of the most memorable moments you think for you working on the film? Hmm, most memorable. Um, I think, I think what really stood out as the most memorable moment was probably closer to the end, maybe the last day actually, when we did a big chase, not the chase sequence, but the big ride sequence at the end, right before the convenience store stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, getting a front row seat to just Chino being in his element and getting to see the writers do what they do. I mean, there's really a brilliance in an artistry to what they do. And I don't think they see it that way. It's just like, this is just what we do. But I love the, the idea that a city and a culture, specifically speaking on the culture of bike riding in Baltimore, it's so often vilified and so often demonized in the media. But these cats are just, there's really a brilliance. It's almost like they're ballerinas. Like Chino can go up on one wheel in the in the 12 o'clock position, which is hence the name, you know what I'm saying? Midnight, 12 o'clock. Um, and he can, while the front wheel is in the air, he can like tap dance on the seat of the bike. It's like... Who like he, he like who is this dude? And right, he, right. It was funny because um they didn't want initially the the our original distributor which was Sony they didn't want um the the actual bike riders to do any bike riding stunts they mm. wanted all stunt riders for that and so Chino was basically like I'm not doing one scene one stunt if I can't ride my own bike he's like I'm not doing that. And so Caleb was like, well, Chino, they were, our producer was like, Chino, they're worried you're going to fall. And Chino was like, fall? <laughs> like, not what I do. So it's like, I don't fall. He never did. I mean, he's probably, you know, sometime, but um, he never did. He never did. It was never an issue for him. He's really like a master of his craft, for sure. Because you couldn't ride the bikes, did you ever like, are you thinking maybe in a year or two, maybe I'll get my own bike, maybe start taking some some rides in, 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 in on a dirt road or something? No? Nah, man. <laughs> no. You see Simon Cowell just busted his behind. I'm sorry. Right. Right. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. If, if you don't want that in there, we will go. 
Listen, nah, yeah. shout out to Simon, man. Get well soon. <laughs> I, that is exactly why. I'm going to stay on two feet. You know what I'm saying? Facts. If it ain't a little bike, like, you know, sitting with the vibes, I'm good on it. Like, don't put me on a bike, man. Or I, I can do a scooter. Okay, okay. I can do a scooter. Like, L- that L- I A little do. safer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little safer, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, uh, nah, I'm not going to get up no dirt bike. This is high, nigga. <laughs> nah, the money maker, man. You can't mess that up. Can't. Yeah. Are you a fan of, like, roller coasters and stuff, though? Or? Y- oh, yeah. I'm okay. really adventurous. You know okay. what I'm saying? It's in my nature. You know, I'm sad. So, I'm mm-hmm. really adventurous, really outgoing. I will do all that stuff. The only thing that I, I really won't do is... Like sky, I think skydiving okay. from like a big airplane is something that I, I like. I don't need to do that. Like I just feel like the, like the courage it takes to like throw yourself out of a plane is like. What what what, what about if it's for a movie? Yeah, you gonna have to call the stunt double <laughs> on that. I'm gonna get the good stunt double on that. I don't know, I like. It. I just feel like it's like suicide, but you don't die. Like that's right, right. terrifying. Chasing so I'm. Um, I um that's exactly what it is. It's chasing. So I, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I just want to live. Look, where Kedra, <laughs> Kedra. Uh, I feel you, man. I'm going to stay on the ground, but I will. You know what I'm saying? I'll do all that other stuff. I love roller coasters. I'm never scared to ride anything. I ride everything at Six Flags, Disney World. I'm I'm with it. I want all this smoke, but I'm. Just, you know, the stuff that I could potentially, you know, die. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I, I will. You know, I saw a video of, like, Beyonce. She was at, like, that big tower, and she was attached to, like, the bungee something. I think she was bungee jumping. Okay. That is actually something that I would do. And I don't All know right. why, because it's not completely different from throwing myself out of a plane. Like, I'm just, you know, yeah. jumping off of a... But at least something's on you. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Something is there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I would do that. I would do that. That looks fun. Absolutely. Earlier, when I was talking in the intro, I, I made it a point to mention a lot of the projects you've been in because it's interesting to see, you know, before you're 17, you've had a number of really impactful uh, black creatives in your space. You know, we're talking Taraji P. Henson, Lena Waithe and Melina Mitsukis. And now, you know, Daniel Kaluuya as well, as well as, you know, Tiana Paris and Meek Mill. Um, they've a lot of different viewpoints, a lot of different spots in the industry. Has there been um, like a piece of advice you've gotten from any of them in particular that's really stood out to you? You know what? Daniel told me something recently, actually, when we were in quarantine, I called him and I talked to him and I was telling him everything that was going on with the film. And I was like, yeah, it's going to be on HBO Max now. And you know what I'm saying? I'm just a little uncertain. I don't know because it's so it's such a new streaming service and everything like that. He was like, bro, just remember. He was like, it's not about everybody seeing it. It's about the right people seeing it. Um, And I think that was definitely like, oh, oh, yeah, like it is. Like, who cares if you take a light bulb went off? And um, he was like, it's not about everybody seeing it. It's about the right people seeing it. And it's a testament because that's how, I mean, that's how he, that was sort of his break. I mean, he did an episode of Black Mirror Mm -hmm. um, in 2011. Um, and it only aired in London, but then a few years later, Netflix put it on, um, put it on their streaming service and Jordan Peele saw that episode of Black Mirror and casted Daniel in Get Out. So, uh, that's how it happens. It's not about everyone seeing it. When that came out, everyone didn't see it, but Mm -hmm. the right person saw it and it ended up changing his life. And so I think remembering that, and I think that's great for all entertainers to remember, you know, saying it's not about everyone seeing it. Don't worry who's going to listen to it and who's going to stream it and who's going to buy it. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you just got to you got to worry about um, the the authenticity and you just continue to continuing to chase and better your craft. Um, right. And that's just what I'm trying to do, man, for sure. Right. I mean, yeah, definitely the most important is it's keep your quality up because at some yeah. point the right person, like you said, the right person is going to come along the way and uh, take it farther. I want to know what's next. And I, I hate this. I hate this question at this time because I know it's either, yeah, I've been, I've been writing and developing and da, 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 or it's like I'm an actor and it's quarantine, so I can't really do much. But I saw on IMDb there's a film called The Violent Heart. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Mm. It's interesting. Cress Williams and Mary J. Blige and mm-hmm. Lucas Haas and Jahi Diallo Winston. Like, like, mm-hmm. can you talk about this film at all? What, uh, what, what, what's, I can. All of the stuff I can talk about because I don't really know much. Actually, I've um, the, it was a, it was a, initially supposed to be at Tribeca Film Festival, mm-hmm. um, but obviously we know what happened with that. So, um, I I don't know how it's going to be distributed now, but I am really excited for people to see it. Um, it's a story about I think it's at its core it's about love and um it's about all those a, a lot of family themes and I'm really uh, excited for people to see that. Um, Jovan is incredible in this film. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Jovan the bro. Uh, and shout out to Karim Sanga who um, directed it. Uh, and I did this actually. I did this in Nashville last year before I shot Queen and Slim. Oh wow! So yeah, it was like back to back where I went straight from Nashville to New Orleans to mm-hmm. to do Queen and Slim. So um, yeah, excited for people to see this. I, I don't know much about what's happening with that, but right. um, yeah, when when it comes out, it should it should be fun. What I mean, have you before you started doing school? Were you doing a lot of uh, reading for scripts and, and and things on on the acting side during quarantine? Um, it, for the most part, and it's starting to pick back up now, slowly but surely. I'm starting to get um, more breakdowns come through. Um, but for the most part, in the first part of quarantine, everything was pretty much shut down. There weren't a lot of cell tapes, and honestly, I was in a really weird space. I was in a space. I was just like, man. I don't want to read one script. I don't want to say one line. Like, I, I'm so, I don't know. I just sort of got this sort of apathetic, kind of like nonchalant, um, lackadaisical energy. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't know where that was. I think the, the state of the world was sort of influencing my, sort of stifling my creative juices, if you will. Right. And so I think now I'm in a better space creatively. But of course, you know, it's had to take a back seat because of school, you know, saying I got to pass physics. So I guess that's that's the priority. (laughs) Got to pass pass Spanish, too. Um, (laughs) But I uh, yeah, yeah, it it wasn't as much reading scripts and everything in initial part of quarantine, no. I guess when you're talking about uh, physics and stuff, what's your day to day like? I mean, because you're doing press for the film, you know, leading up to it, are you taking some days off? How are you structuring your your class schedule? Um, I so initially I was doing a program where I could be more flexible, where I could basically do school and I felt like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I am in, I'm homeschooled. It's a homeschooling program, but it's gotcha. an actual certified like school. Mm-hmm. So if I miss a day of school, it's basically like, you know, I'm absent gotcha. and they mark it incomplete. So I can't not do school for a day. Mm-hmm. And it's really stressful because sometimes I'm up late. Um, I don't finish my school too late and I don't go to uh, bed until late. And so, mm-hmm. It's hard to get up in the morning. I don't get up until around like an afternoon and then it's a whole thing. And it's just a whole lot, a whole lot of man. It's like remote learning can be has definitely has its challenges. But I think I'm getting more accustomed to it and I'm Mm -hmm. not going to try not to fail my senior year. So (laughs) I'm going to get through it. Yeah. Right. That's what's up. That's what's up. And I I mean, it it sounds like you're ready for it to be over, but I mean, you've got you got good reason. I, I, there's stuff going on. You were talking earlier about, uh, you know, co- composing music and and, and, and and beats and things. Do you think ever about uh, writing scripts for film or any anything and going down that path? Yeah, I'm a baby writer right now, actually. I've, I'm in the midst of writing a pilot. Well, I already finished two pilots um, and I was I'm shopping one, um, but I think I'm going to retract because it's not exactly in the space that I want it to be in yet so I'm gonna reconfigure it and you know it, it, I've been working on that one since 2018 mm. um and so it's it's really it, it's constantly evolving you know it's I, mean, I, I wake up with new ideas and I wake up with new ways to structure the story and 
Um, it's weird, like, a lot of the ideas that I had, like, 14-year-old Jahi had, it's like, okay, well, I don't really want to do that anymore. I'm not exactly in that space of wanting that. And I think a lot of ideas I had for story came out of me wanting a specific thing and wanting to play a certain kind of role. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, how do I take the acting hat off and just come from a place of a writer and just write a good story? Um, and not think about, am I going to play this role? Am I not? Like, I'm just, I, I just got to write. But also, I'm doing a, uh, that one is something that I would definitely have the intention of being a part of, full mm-hmm. steam ahead. But um, I'm writing, and I've written another one, and I'm in the midst of writing something that I, I don't want to have anything to do with on screen um, as much. Um, and so, um, yeah, once, once I'm finished with that, uh, I'll definitely try to, um, move further along the process of that but yeah i i I definitely write i've always had a passion for writing and i'm still trying to sharpen my my skill so gotcha any 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 particular genre is it more drama based or you you all over with it uh it's more it's dramedy uh (laughs) this uh the other one is sort of like um it's it's sort of it's a very stylistic story Mm -hmm. um and so it's very specific to my life and my upbringing, but uh, yeah, it's it's. I'm in the dramedy space. I, I really hate like labeling my my stuff because it's like you know, right. just let the work be the work, you know. Yeah, the, the the more you talk about this side of your work is definitely where the uh, the Gambino comparisons come into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a big fan of Atlanta. I am a big fan of Atlanta. Like I always tell people, like Gambino is probably probably one of my favorite people um and i have never met him but he is one of my favorite people he has had such a huge impact and listen like people don't try to cover me okay because i'm an og gambino fan okay i was listening i nah i was watching gambino when he was still doing Derek comedy okay okay Okay. when he was in still in nyu my brother and i back in the day yes my brother and i we used to sit in my mom's office and we used to binge Derek Comedy, like I can tell you my favorite sketch from Derek Comedy. I, I remember listening. I remember when the video for Freaks and Geeks came out, mm-hmm. and the first line, I was like, "Who is this guy? Like, <laughs> he's nerdy, he's geeky, and he's saying stuff like, yeah, I still take it, girl. Like, what's going on?' Like, I was like, "Oh my gosh, who is this guy?' Like, yeah. And then just to see him develop, like, it's the same sense of pride that I feel like when I see someone like Zendaya. Like, mm-hmm. like I screamed for Zendaya the other night. Like, right. it was my own family because it's like I grew up watching this girl on Disney Channel. I grew up and now she took her time. She developed in in the right timing and look where she is. Like I'm just I'm so proud of all of my idols and influences and just yeah, but Donald's definitely a huge major influence. He grew up 30 minutes from where I grew up. I was gonna I was gonna say so the one thing I saw online I wanted to confirm you're from Atlanta? I'm from Atlanta. Okay, the, the show Atlanta, because the one thing that people oh it's 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 so different and so weird, whatever, whatever. But like, how close to Atlanta? Because I've never really had the Atlanta conversation with an Atlanta person. Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel like that show, even though it has its own beat and it, it marches to its own drum, does it feel like Atlanta to you? It's at least like a part of Atlanta. Atlanta feels more Atlanta to me than the film ATL, which is how Got people you. know Atlanta. Right. Um, and I guess ATL is specific to Atlanta in the mid-2000s and where that space was. And it's very immersed in hip-hop culture. But there was, <laughs> there was an incident I had in a neighborhood in Atlanta called Pittsburgh where I had with this old older black woman. And it's like, that is so something. I was just like, that is so something that would happen on Atlanta. Like, it was so eerie. <laughs> But it was also in like in such an urban environment. It's like, am I in like Twin Peaks or am I in like Ti's video? Like, where am I? It's like this is an episode of Atlanta, and that's the thing. It's like I can't get away from that show because it's like I have Atlanta esque experiences all the time. Like I went to this award show and the whole night felt like an episode of Atlanta. It's like, yo, what is happening here? Um, But yes, and it's crazy. Just I think. I've never seen our city really depicted in the way that Donald's doing it. And it's it's great that it's coming from a person who was from the city and loves the city. You know what I'm saying? Like, Donald grew up, like I said, 30 minutes from, from me. Like, he grew up in Stone Mountain. Um, I grew up in Marietta, 
Um, and it's a it's a ways away, but and mm-hmm. it's not really because in Atlanta everything is spread apart. Um, it's not like New York where you can just take the train somewhere, but right. um, everything is sort of spread apart. You have to drive. So, um, but yeah, and our upbringings are similar. So yeah, I'm definitely fully immersed into the Donald Glover Stan um, <laughs> Club. Right. I'm an OG Donald Stan. Donald, if you're watching this, bro, <laughs> I love you, bro. <laughs> It, 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 it sounds like it, it should start with a cameo for season three, whenever that starts. Oh, and then uh, hopefully blow up into Speak something it. else after. Maybe, hell, you got projects. Maybe maybe there's something he'd want to, you know, grease some with. I'm just saying, it, it seems like it would be a perfect match. Um, what else do you get into? Are you Do you play sports? Are you like a, a video game guy? Like, what, what are you doing when you're not working on your creative passion? So I used to play sports. Mm-hmm. Um I'm sort of like, like there's, I guess, an, <laughs> an inner white boy because I like play, I like to play tennis and I okay. like to, I usually like to play baseball, um, but I'm really into tennis. Um, I love watching it. Uh, I don't see how people say tennis isn't exciting. Like my mom loves so, tennis. My mom she'll watch anything. Yeah, uh, it's so good to me. It's so engaging and it's so intimate mm-hmm. and intricate, but it's also like. To me, equally exciting. A lot of people say it's boring. I guess uh, whatever, but I love tennis. Um, I love to play tennis. I video games. You know what? I just finished, bro. I just finished The Last of Us Two. Oh really? What'd you think? I liked it. Yeah, yeah. A it's it's been polarizing. Like, a lot of people didn't like the shift. Yeah. Yeah, but I liked it. You know, a lot of people had a problem with the character development, but I thought, and and I did too initially. I was like, okay, after that happened, I was like, okay, no spoilers, but I was like, okay, where are we going? With right. This I'm a little like we gonna take my man's away. So yeah, you, like you're, you're so connected to these things in this game yeah. that it's hard to be put in those situations. Yeah. I was originally I felt like kind of cheated. I'm like, wait a minute, nah, bro, I'm not gonna do my man's like that. But when we got to the end, I was like, okay, this is like the perfect way. I was sort of hope. Well, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was a good game. It was a good game. That freaking Rat King, whatever that was. It's a lot. <laughs> I Like, that was unnecessary. Like, they didn't but, have to do all that. Well, the thing is, those games can be, that, that and like the updated Resident Evils, they can be so just, discu- the noises that these oh things gosh. make when they explode. Yeah, it's a, it can be a lot. It can I was lot. genuinely terrified at some points. Like, whatever those little stalkers were, I was like, yo. Cause you can't hear them, you can't see them until they walk walk up right up to you. I was like, okay, nah. <laughs> Once that rat king come up came up, I was like, oh no, That's like a rat, this yeah. is Ugh. yeah. But Last of Us Two is a great game, mm-hmm. really great game, and I'm excited for the um, HBO thing that they're doing with that. So right, yeah, they're coming. They're going to be doing a series or what have you. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it should be good. It should be good. They're actually they're making some really good decisions. Uh, HBO. What was the one I'm waiting for? The Parasite series that's supposed to be coming out. They're supposed to be Parasite series. They're supposed to be doing with with, with Bong. Yeah, Bong's a part. Of, Bong and um, I'm, his name's escaping me. My man, who uh, the showrunner for Succession. They're supposed to be working on a series based off of. Ooh. I don't know how. They've not really given creative on how it's going to come from the film or if it's going to be yeah, based in that world or something. But yeah. the fact that the two of them are working oh on the series, yeah, I'm I'm here for it. That's going to be a one, a one. Big Parasite fan? I'm a huge Parasite fan. Yeah. I love that film. I revisit it sometimes too. I um oh my gosh. It was so I'm definitely a member of the Bong Hive. Bong Ho Hive. Definitely. He's he's brilliant. I love the Snowpiercer movie too. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. Snowpiercer. That's like when I got fully immersed into the Bong Hive. I was like, okay, who is this guy? Like he's he's incredible. Um and I love Parasite too, so Are you, we're, we're we're coming up on Halloween. Are you a fan of scary movies? Anything like that? I'm a big horror fan too, for sure. Who do you, who, who do you like? Uh, I mean Stephen King. He's like the king of the genre, right? I mean, definitely the the king of the genre. Obviously, Jordan mm-hmm. is incredible. Um, he's really doing great. I'm excited for it. I know it just got pushed to next year, but I was really excited for Candyman. Me too. Me too. For Nia DaCosta to really. Um, take her space and be like yeah i'm here yeah right. the, the, did you see the it was like a two or three minute video they did with this crazy animation that kind of yes. told this that i mean it, and she's saying there's more of that supposed to be involved in the i can't wait oh, i'm I can't so wait. excited that's gonna be that's gonna be awesome but i grew up i was a very weird 
child (laughs) and i still kind of am um but it's definitely influenced my acting because i was very strange i used to like to make up scary stories and write them and i used to get good grades on them too um but i was very much a horror fan i was very into the whole um like uh really psycho psychotic killer um macabre genre at like Mm -hmm. eight so Okay. okay um yeah i was very much into that so and i still am but uh yeah love scary movies love horror. Eight, eight, eight is young but I, I was i was pretty young the first time i saw a nightmare on elm street it was very yeah. hokey but yeah yeah and the, and the thing is like i've always been fully i've always loved it but when i was young i, I loved it but i was so scared i was scared simultaneously right i would be fully immersed and i couldn't shut my eyes but i would be so <laughs> terrified and i would have nightmares but the, as soon as i stopped being scared and as soon as i could like turn the movie off and be able to go to sleep without like looking over my shoulder that's right. when it went like full full steam ahead because i was like gotcha. okay like i can i can do this for real definitely um i mean talking about all this genre and stuff i have to ask um and <laughs> thank god we're we're we're, we're under hbo's uh, uh house right now um are you watching lovecraft country yes okay. i just watched i was watching it last night it it's so good this yeah. is something that i've been waiting on like i've been right. waiting on the fantasy horror racism tackling issues and a black male lead and a black yeah. woman lead simultaneously and i love that they don't play into any of these tropes with Letitia's character they allow her to be a fully realized fully developed fully intentional uh, a person with intention um right. And she's so good, and Jonathan is so good, and everyone on that show is so good. Mm-hmm. And I love Lovecraft Country. If you have not watched Lovecraft Country, bring some bring some sage, bring a Bible, and, <laughs> and sit down and watch Lovecraft Country. For real, yeah. That, that's something we've, we've actually, we got to talk to Jonathan not too long ago. I guess he was on the set of The Harder They Fall. And uh, again, I think the... Uh, the, the future of black Hollywood it, when it's in the hands of guys like yourself and Jonathan and, you know, and, and this group of people who are really coming up and making waves. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm a happy camper. I, I, I had to grow up with so little. So seeing so much dope mm. stuff come out now is really awesome. Before we get out of here, Jahi, I was wondering for kids or anyone that's really wanting to follow in your footsteps specifically, whether, you know, person of color, you know, underrepresented in Hollywood. Do you have any advice for people who would want to get their foot in the door or try to express themselves in a similar way, you know, a similar path that you've gone on? I have trouble giving advice because I always, I'm, I always take it fairly, pretty seriously. But I always say representation is extremely important, but what's even more important is what you represent. Mm. Um, and so you have to know what you want to do, know the kind of stories that you want to tell and why you want to tell them. Um, because you can't get in these spaces and these um, executive positions or even in the or even be at the center of a franchise and not be there with a purpose. Okay, I am the first black person to get here. Now, how am I going to pay this 100 full and how is this going to serve my people? You know, how am I going to use this to uh, elevate and give back um, and be of service to my people, to black people. Um, uh, and so I think just understanding that and knowing that there is a responsibility that comes with representation. Um, and so take that very seriously and study, study everything. You know, I used to stay up all night just watching everything, watching interviews, reading, trying to find scripts, uh, writing really bad scripts. Um, and Study everything, watch everything, um, and just fully immerse yourself into the culture. Don't do it if if you are concerned with vanity or anything else. And don't do it if you are obsessed with the idea of immediate fame because it will not happen for you if you want to have a substantial um, and sustained career in this industry. So... Uh, yeah, just, you know, relax too. Like, don't overthink it either because that's something that I have to work on. I'm trying to get there. Don't overthink it. Just allow yourself to just be. That was a lot, I think. It, but I think that the key for everybody is you just got to do the work. Sit down and do the work and you'll get there. Jai, thank you very much for coming through. Uh, anybody watching, listening, make sure HBO Max, October 8th, 
Charm City Kings, you'll see Jahi's face along with Meek Mill, Chino, a number, Tiana Paris, a number of amazing actors, performers, bike riders, and just dope Baltimore people. Jahi, thank you for coming through. Really appreciate you. Watch Less is hosted by myself, Cal. Our producer is Taliba Newman. Associate producer and sound engineer is Jasmine Plata. Production manager, Chancel Correa. Talent booker, Anthony Allred. Junior booker, Austin Bailey. And our senior director of operations is Jen Stewart. Watch Less is a part of the Complex Podcast Network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs> 